And I think a lot of times that's the one thing, that's the very refuge to which we flee. And you will be amazed at how many storm stories there are in Scripture. Uh, and how many, uh, especially even in the Old Testament, probably more in the Old Testament than, than there is in the New, uh, but how to deal with a storm, how to deal with life when those circumstances seem to overwhelm us. And it's a way of God instructing us. And sometimes we need that instruction in order to be able to draw, be drawn closer back to him. And so don't, you know, don't, don't, don't despair uh, when you find yourself in a storm. Just look for God in the midst of it. And I think he'll probably tell you just exactly what he told Elijah. Just be still and know that I am God. So I've been just, you know, just uh, strolling through the scriptures and just kind of looking at a few things. Uh, but one that I found over in uh, Psalm 107, that's not the text this morning, but just listen for a moment. And this is what it says. People see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down to the depths, their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Ever been there? Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. He brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that the waves are still. He walks on the water. He speaks to the sea. And then they are glad because they are quiet. They experience that still small voice of God. And he guides them to their desired haven. And might I say that my desired haven is heaven. I just have to add an E in there. And it changes your perspective on everything. When you realize that the greatest distress so often brings that fear is the fear of death. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ came, that we don't have to fear death. Now, none of us wants to go through a storm. None of us want to, 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 to be fearful. But all of us need a place to go in the midst of a storm. And as believers, if you're a believer this morning, you have a place to go. It may not be necessarily the best shelter in the world well it is I guess when you're sheltered in the arms of Jesus but we often run to shelter when there is an incredibly more powerful shelter that we can call heaven oh that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of man is that not a good word of instruction for us today? I think as we, as we go on and as the closer we get, whether it's just the end of our lives, there could be a lot of storms toward the end of your life. 
I think many of us here have experienced those storms that are very difficult for us during those times. But we understand as believers that that storm will pass by, no matter how bad or how great it may seem in the moment. And that's also true for our nation. America's going through a storm. I don't think we can argue about that. These are stormy seas that we are, that we are traveling in in these days. And it's difficult. Uh, we talked about Jonah this morning in Sunday school. Hey, listen, old Jonah, uh, <laughs> my goodness, he didn't want to go. Um, it was not because he didn't want to take the trip. He did not want to preach to the Ninevites. And sometimes I think we're a lot the same. We don't want to take the gospel to those who need it most. I'll tell you, right down below the Baptist Student Union in Clemson, that's where we always park. We just walk down the street and go to the stadium over there. And right near on that street yesterday, there's this fraternity house, and it has got a big fence around the front yard, and they have the bands cooking, and it is going the wildest thing you've ever seen in your life. And there's two old boys standing out there. They had these uh, microphones up on poles, and I think they carry them you know, somewhere in their belt so they can hold their Bible in the other hand, and they just simply got right on the other side of that fence, and you talk about preaching the gospel to a bunch of crazy kids, that's exactly what they did. Now, you know, you know, the Bible speaks of the ways of youth, and it's a difficult time, but I admire those people that are willing to allow those other young people uh, to experience the good news. And you know, I did not see anybody on the inside of that fence condemning those guys. You know, a lot of people have condemned street preachers that come out of Bob Jones in this town for a long time. What in the world are they doing out there on the side of the street? Well, now what they're doing is they're preaching and speaking for God. That's what they're doing. Otherwise, some of these people are never going to hear it. So it's good that they hear it. And, 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 you know, that's a challenge for all of us when we look at our culture, when we look at people around us, people even in our own families that just turn their back and reject the gospel and want nothing at all to do with it. But their storm's going to be far worse than yours. Because unless they find Jesus, their storm is never going to pass by. Their storm will be with them forever and ever in an awful place called hell. And so I think we need to recognize the message of the Bible. And Jesus uh, did that. Um, you know, it doesn't much matter... Uh, what we go through but I can promise you this it is far more difficult to go through if you do not know Jesus and the closer you get to Jesus no matter how great the storm there is that still small voice of God that brings peace into our lives. 
Now, there may be consequences, but he's there to help us with our consequences too. But we've got to know who Jesus is. And we've got to have a relationship of faith with Jesus in order to be able to overcome all of these storms of life. And who could be better to depend on than a man that can walk on the sea or speak to the sea and walk on the water? You know, that's an amazing thing. But do we really believe that? Do we really believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ the way we need to? Now, a lot of us have been believers for a long time, and it's a little easier after you've been with Jesus for 40-something years. It does get easier because your faith ought to be growing. Your faith ought to be maturing, that you know exactly where to go and who to turn to. But now, if you feel kind of guilty about that, let me tell you, in good company... If you don't know Jesus as well as you ought to know Jesus. Because that's the way the disciples were. And you see, Christian faith is a lifetime adventure. It is something that we cling to, we hold to, when we're going through the challenges and the difficulties and the depressing times and the despair and all of the storms that can come our way. The longer we serve him, the sweeter he grows. Because we know that there's not coming a single storm in our lives that is too big for Jesus to handle. And yet even the disciples riding around with Jesus in the Sea of Galilee found that a hard lesson to understand. Now, the first time they encounter the storm with Jesus, and like I say, that, 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 that word tempest, it says over in the 8th chapter of Matthew, you can turn over there, it's a very short story. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Now, when Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him because they did want to go where Jesus went. They really did. They were growing in the Lord. They loved what Jesus was teaching. They were his disciples. That's who they were. He gets in the boat. They follow him. They get in the boat. Now, sometimes, sometimes we don't want to get into the boat. we got other things to do. We're too busy. We enjoy things more than we enjoy our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So rather than get in the boat we just stay in the world. But these disciples, when Jesus got in the boat, they followed him. And suddenly a great tempest, this violent, windy storm, sounds a lot like a hurricane to me, and we've watched that on the screens day after day after day during this last week. Suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves. I'd hate to have been riding around in the middle of the sea, in the middle of a storm, in Jesus' day. It could have been very threatening. 
and very frightening, I'm sure. Because the boat literally was being covered up as the waves swept over the bow. And uh, where was Jesus? Uh, the thing it says at the end there, verse 24, but Jesus was asleep. He was at peace. He was laying down in the underneath part of the boat somewhere, just taking him an afternoon nap. Don't despair afternoon naps. You've heard me say many times before, if they're good enough for Jesus, they're good enough for me. Amen? But here he was in the middle of, of the most violent storm you could imagine, and he was there asleep. And so the disciples came to him and they awoke him. Now, now, now hear that. They came to him. They came to him. They came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Now we ought not have any concern about that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would what? Believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so these disciples just cry out the message that we ought to cry out to Jesus far more often and that is save us Lord from all of this chaos, all of this confusion, all of the storms that swirl about us in our lives and just say Jesus let me see your salvation. We've seen it time and time again right there in the scriptures. Then Jesus asked them, saying, why are you fearful? You know, Jesus is pretty good about asking a question and giving the answer in the same breath. <laughs> he liked to do that. And that's exactly what we have here. Why are you fearful, O oh, you of little faith? Because in the presence of faith, fear disappears. And in the presence of fear, faith disappears. You try it sometime and see if I'm telling you the truth or not. Then Jesus got up out of his nap and rebuked the winds and the sea like people going through a storm that come to Jesus and to cry out for his salvation suddenly there was great calm on the sea. I like that, don't you? You know, that's one of the reasons I like to come to church. You can just be focused on the truth. You can be focused on your faith. You can celebrate all the good things that Jesus has done in your life. And you, this is what it says, can experience great calm. I don't care what's going on in your life. Right now, you ought to be experiencing great calm. <laughs> I mean, we've read enough out of the Bible already this morning that ought to speak peace and calm and joy to your life. And we're in a very safe place. You say, well, somebody in this country would like to come in here with an AR-15 and just send us all to glory. So, you think we got peace here? Well, you're going to have peace there. Far greater peace than you could ever imagine or ever know. And so it travels with those who put their faith 
in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that we might not perish but that we might have everlasting and abundant life. What more could we ask? And they marveled at him and then they asked their question. Listen to it. Who can this be? Now they probably were in the middle of their three years as disciples in the presence of Jesus as they traveled all across Galilee and Judea. But here they ask this question, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Do you know who he is? Do you believe that he walks on the water and that he speaks to the sea? Oh, I do. I believe it, and I find great comfort in it. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the disciples were learning that. But, I mean, these were guys who had spent their lives, on the most of them, on the Sea of Galilee and seen storm after storm after storm. But who, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Good question. And right then they did not know the answer. So we go on over uh, six chapters further in Scripture. Uh, and we find this situation. Jesus had just fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And, and you know, it was, a, it was just an incredible time in, in their lives. And, and it says in verse 22 that Jesus then made the disciples get in the boat. The last time, oh, they followed Jesus into the boat. This time, Jesus made them get into the boat because Jesus was going to make that trip with them. He was sending them across the Sea of Galilee in that boat without him. And, and you know, when we, when we understand this, um, it's different. And so he sends all of these multitudes that he had just fed away. And then guess what? He went up on the mountain to do what? Pray. Even Jesus had to pray in order to be every single day able to deal with all of the storms of life in a way that glorified God and identified who he is. See, they missed it the first time. Who is this man that can, can come and speak to the sea and it just grows calm? Who is this man? They were about to find out. They were about to find out. And so they go out into the sea. And got to the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It wouldn't take these guys about 20 minutes, you know, to get across from one side of the uh, Sea of Galilee to the other. It's not that big of a sea. Not for, you know, veteran uh, sailors. But the Scripture says that they were in the middle of the sea and they were tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Now it's going to say a little bit later that it was one of those windy 
powerful storms that sweep down out of the hills around the Sea of Galilee suddenly with no warning and threaten their lives. Now, the fourth watch of the night when Jesus had finished praying, by the way, Jesus went to them. Even though he tells us that it is best when we come to where he is, but if we are not capable of coming to where he is, he is fully capable to come to where we are. And he knows exactly where you are in any situation that life can give us. And so, in the fourth watch of the night, by the way, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. They probably left over there in uh, um, Capernaum, uh, you know, maybe late afternoon, 6. Give it a little bit of help, maybe 7. And then they got caught up in a storm that was so contrary, a trip that would take less than a half an hour for those disciples to sail from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other, they could not because the wind was contrary. You know, there's a lot of things in this world that are contrary to, to what we think, what we believe, what we love, what we value. You know, there's always a contrary wind blowing out there somewhere. And you know, Christians are just as susceptible to that as anybody else in this world. Those storms are going to come. You can't outrun them. You can't dodge them. You can't move away from them no matter how bad you try. You know, I'm telling you, if I saw some of those traffic jams, you put me in those traffic jams, and I would wish I was back in the middle of a hurricane. Whew, storms everywhere. Can't get away from them. And then... Jesus went to them, walking on the water. I think of all the things, if I had to spend a few minutes uh, experiencing and being a disciple and being with Jesus, this might be it right here. Out there, just so fearful, life's threatened. Each one of them terrifying each other more and more as they got into those contrary winds. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they really didn't know who he was. Again, they thought maybe some kind of ghost or something. They thought they were just seeing things. Maybe this was the last thing they were going to see before they sank to the bottom of the sea. Who knows what was going on in their minds, but they were fearful. But immediately, at that precise moment, when that fear was the greatest, when the storm in and around their lives was at its greatest, when they felt hopeless, where they didn't feel like they had anywhere to turn, as we say there in the psalm, when they were losing their wits, Jesus came to them and spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. I am. That's who he was. The great I am. Do not be afraid. Man. 
I mean, if Jesus told you that, would it calm your old fearful spirit? Would it calm all of the stress, all the agony, all of the despair that these storms can bring into our lives? Certainly, I would hope so. Because they knew that Jesus was nearby. And so, old Peter, you know what he does. Lord, if it is you, really you, then you command me to come to you on the water. I've invited people for years and years and years to come to Jesus, knowing that he was in the house, begging, pleading. Let's sing 16 stanzas of just as I am, and maybe somebody is going to respond. That's not what happened that night. Jesus said one word, come. And when Jesus said come, he stepped down out of that boat in the middle of the night on an angry sea. And Peter, just an uneducated fisherman who had spent his life on that sea, went walking on the water to Jesus. Oh, Jesus was coming. But in that moment, Lord, if it's really you, bid me come to you. And Jesus says one word, come. And if Jesus ever says to you to come, I want to give you some good advice. Go. Come to where he is. Because he's trying to get to where you are. And he can do that. You just think about your own salvation. You, you, you think about when you walk down the aisle, maybe when you first met the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, um, you know, it was, it, was, it, it was one of those things. A lot of people don't even hardly remember. They, they say, I don't even know how I got down the aisle, but I, I found myself down at the aisle just asking him for forgiveness and, and forsaking my sin and praying for the Holy Spirit. And, and suddenly when I got up off my knees, I was a new man. I was a new woman. Because when Jesus said, come, I went. You went. It changed our lives. And it ought to make us far better equipped to deal with the storms of life. Amen? And so here he goes, walking on the water to Jesus. But the storm was not yet over. I didn't look up boisterous. But if you're in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night, a tempest, if you will, with a lot of wind and a lot of waves, then you might be concerned when you got out on those waves. And when Peter saw that the water was boisterous, he was afraid. What happens when you fear? What disappears? Faith. That's right. When you become fearful, faith disappears. It always does. It always will. And so when he realized where he was and he saw what was around him, you know what he cried out? Lord, save me. Hmm. Back there in... Chapter 8, 
same situation pretty much except they were in the boat and they say the same thing Lord save us Peter was just speaking of himself save me for I am perishing listen it's a one-on-one -on -one thing it don't matter if your whole family and your friends and everybody else gets saved listen to go to heaven and to know the Lord Jesus Christ and connect with him, you have to be saved. Your mama's salvation ain't going to help you when the day comes. Only Jesus can save you from perishing. And Peter recognized that. And he cried out for the Lord to save me because he was sinking. He was sinking in the midst of the storm. And immediately, you know what Jesus did? He sees old Peter coming. I don't know how far it was from the boat. Jesus still out in the sea. But Jesus kind of went over to where Peter was, which was a good thing. And he took him by the hand. And he and Simon Peter walked together to the boat. And they walked together on the water because Jesus reached out his hand and just lifted him up. I, you know, I'd love to bend Simon Peter right there. Wouldn't you? You cry out to Jesus and Jesus is right there just reaches out his hand just lifts you up out of the storm and you just walk with Jesus. That's all he wants any of us to do anyway is just to walk with Jesus. That's not a hard thing, man. It's a good thing if we just do it. And so... Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him and he said, Peter, oh, you have little faith. Why did you ever doubt? Well, I have to say for Peter now, uh, his, 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 it, it, there was a moment in time where he had no doubts when he stepped down out of that boat into an angry sea. And when he stepped together with Jesus into the boat, the wind ceased. He didn't have to speak to it. It just ceased. Then those who were in the boat came, fell down, worshipped him. And guess what they said this time? They weren't asking any questions. They weren't so concerned about who this man was that could, that could speak to the sea and walk on the water. No, not now. Because they were saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Hey, listen, if you're walking with the Son of God, if you're walking with the one who died to keep you from perishing, If you are walking with one who speaks peace, who speaks comfort, who speaks joy, who speaks power into your life, boy, that can build some faith. Amen? And the longer we walk with him, the greater our faith. That's just the way it works. So, let's go back just one more time. You know, I... I really just stumbled on this this morning. This, this 107, Psalm 107, I read it to you in the beginning. 
I'm so glad I stumbled onto it because I felt like I just stumbled right into the arms of Jesus out of a stormy world. And I said, that's it. I see it right there in the Old Testament, right there in the Psalms. Psalm 107, verse 24. I see the works of the Lord. I see them almost every day. Almost everywhere I go. I see the works of the Lord. And his wonders, even in deep, in the deepest part of any storm. And as that wind blows the page of my Bible from one to the other, he wants me to turn back to verse 26, verse 25. For he commands and raises the stormy sea, which lifts up the waves of the sea, I mean, that hurricane, you saw what it did. It lifted up the waters of the sea over 12 feet above high tide, and it destroyed Fort Myers, Florida. I'll tell you, buddy, that's the midst of a storm, amen? That's a storm. For God commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up. The wind is pushing it. Let me tell you what, it's pushing it mighty hard and it pushes it up 12 feet and it pushes away everything in its path. You said God didn't do that. Oh yes, God did do that. And that's why we pray and ask God to keep folks from perishing. Save them. You know, the first thing I heard the next morning, over a hundred dead. Be far more than a hundred who have died in this storm. <laughs> I don't even think it reached a dozen. And one of the reasons it didn't, well, because there was a lot of people praying. And they knew how to be kept from the power of that storm. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. It's about the way we are when we get to our wits' end. And then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. Anybody distressed this morning about any particular thing? Then he told me, he said, look up there, preacher. He said, the roof's leaking around that, around that steeple up there. And if you look back there, it is. I mean, it's clear, clear as you can see. But you know what? I gave him some good news, didn't I, Denny? I said the roof was out here last week and fixed that hole in the roof. Amen. God can handle it. Don't get stressed out. Necessarily about what we see, but some of the things we don't see. And that's the way it works with God. He calms the storm so that its waves are still, and then they are glad because they are quiet. They are at peace with all that swirls around them. 
Roger, your oldest daughter is happy. Doesn't that give you peace? And I can only imagine the times you have spent praying for Kathy, praying for all of your family. But it brings peace in the midst of the storm. Then they are glad because they are quiet and that he is guiding us to our desired haven, which is heaven. That's my desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, especially to those who have also become the children of God because they learned to trust who Jesus is. Who is this man that can speak to the storm and calm the sea? This is Jesus, the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful that even in the midst of storms in our lives, Lord, that when you show up, whether we're coming to you or you're coming to us, it won't matter because, Lord, you are going to tell us like you told Elijah, be still and know that I am God. And you're also going to calm us and tell us that we have an everlasting home in heaven just waiting for us to take that step and come to Jesus as the Son of God, Savior of the world, Lord of our lives. And when we do, our lives will be transformed. And most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, that faith, will overcome everything you fear in this life. And the longer you walk with him, the stronger and stronger and stronger that faith will become because you know him better and better and better as your Savior, as your King, as the one who has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. And when he speaks to you, when he speaks to you, find that peace and that joy that can be yours forever. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. As we prepare to sing... Maybe he is speaking for you in order that you might speak for him. That's the way it works. That's all he's asking you to do. Just know him well enough that you can just tell people, hey, listen, my Savior, my Savior walks on the water and he speaks to the sea.